Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have George Joseph and Jason Gould from Common Bond coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. She's the owner of Fluff Bake Bar, Rebecca Messon. Welcome back to the show. How are you? Live in the dream, Eric. When are you not? <laughs> Becky, let us dive right into the news of the week. Starting with topic number one, hmm. it's all about you. Me? What? Yeah. What did I do this time? Well, we gotta <laughs> we gotta talk about what's going on at Fluff because you opened in your new location in the Heights. Well, close enough. Shady Acres. Whatever. I I don't I don't <laughs> want to have that conversation. Anyway, <laughs> you opened near the Heights. You were doing to go. Things were going pretty well. And then all of a sudden you closed about six weeks ago. Um, and so let me, let me just throw it to you. What the hell happened? Oh my gosh. Um, I, you got to get a little backstory. So uh, I took possession of this property from the landlord on July 27th. I mean, I'm sorry, January 27th. And from that moment, I did what I was supposed to do. I went to the city. I got the permit for the occupancy. I went through inspections with uh, structural, mechanical, plumbing, and electrical. Wait, did I already say that? Structural, mechanical. Anyways, um, and so the plumbing guy said, fix the valve on the hot water heater and get a health inspection. And the structural guy said, install a, a, vent, a hood vent over the ovens. Um, you have six months to do it. Here's your temporary occupancy. Once health passes you, you're good to go. So call that all sounds apart. pretty. So just, just to hop in just for a second, that all yeah. sounds pretty normal to me. A hood vent. We, the city wants you to have hot water. That all sounds yeah. pretty reasonable. Right. Yeah. Um, everything else was fine. Um, so I called the health department. They sent out an inspector. She inspected the location, passed me, gave me uh, gave me a food dealer's permit and a grease trap permit. A week later, the grease trap inspector came. He passed me. So we were okay, good to so, go. So prior to opening, you passed four different city inspectors came to your bakery and approved everything about how you were set up. Except well, almost for, everything. Except yeah, for the hood, vent. hood vent, right. Um, and then same with the health. So you had three, you know, you had the person involved in, in scheduling the inspection, the inspector and the grease trap inspector, and they all passed me. So at not, not at, 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 when those seven people came through, no one asked me for blueprints. I'm just putting that out there. So we opened, um, I would say, let's see, we've been closed six weeks, two weeks, eight weeks. So two months ago, we submitted plans to the city for installing the hood vent. The city actually passed it. Then the city sent it to the health department and the inspector at the health department went, wait a minute, there's a grease trap in that building that we've never seen blueprints for. The grease trap was here before I moved in. So, right. so you didn't have any reason to think that the grease trap had been installed without permits. You just accepted it as a fact that it was present and you passed exactly. the, the other inspections. You didn't have any reason to suspect it had not been done properly in compliance with whatever regulations. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. 
So on July 16th, the health inspector came out and told me he was ordered to temporarily close my bakery for illegal construction. Um, I saw the email, the, the, the subject line was bootleg bakery. Um, and then, you know, it just stated. So at that point, um, I was told to shut down and that I needed to submit blueprints for plan review with city of Houston and health department. So here we are. Yeah. Um, I will say the health department was pretty good about expediting those blueprints through. They did it pretty quickly. Um, The city took their two weeks and in doing so uh, they decided that the two bathrooms I had were not code because it was, you walked in, there were community sinks, and then there are two rooms with toilets. And um, for it to be a, a bathroom, it has to have a sink and a toilet in it. Um, and I had needed to have one male and one female for an occupancy load of 19 people. Um, so the bathrooms are being remodeled, um, and that involves moving some plumbing. The original illegal grease trap had to be completely removed. The the pipes that went, so it was below the three compartment sink. So the pipes that went from there to the outside to the new grease trap we had to purchase and install had to be replaced. And then the plumbing that was underneath for the sewer had to be rerouted around the grease trap and connect back to the city line. Um, We have to replace the hot water heater because it wasn't, big enough it was the first time it wasn't the second time right well now that you have two sinks or whatever it's not i had the same amount of plumbing it's the same yeah the the number of fixtures didn't change they just decided that the one i had wasn't big enough and i needed a new one so how much is all this costing you if you don't mind me asking um i i was i was at about twenty five thousand. it's it's still um, I don't know. Now we've got, like, I don't know how, it, how much more it's going to cost. We've got, um, you know, we've got to replace concrete. We have to replace a ton of drywall that's been cut out for pipes and obviously new walls. So um, at this point, I'm not sure. I'm probably, I'm probably looking at least another 5,000. All right. Yeah. All right. So what is the status now? I mean, obviously the work is being done. Do you have a rough estimate on when you expect to reopen at this point? Um, well, the good news is on Friday, we passed underground plumbing. So we can fill in, there was a, at least a 10 foot tunnel underneath the building. And, you know, with the um, storms coming, I was really worried about that. So um, that's been filled. Plumbing probably has, I think they have two more different inspections before they get a final. Um, the Hoodvit guys can't get in until the concrete's covered because of the equipment they need to put in the hood vent. So I'm probably looking at least a couple weeks. All right. Now you did get you did get some support from the community. Right. Yeah, ben, amazingly, ben, yeah. Ben Sasani, a, a a friend of yours, a friend of mine, who's a wedding photographer by day and has his own. Uh, foot in the restaurant business with a, a coffee shop, a boba tea shop. Um, started a GoFundMe for you. 
it was supposed to raise Mm -hmm. $25,000. You blew through that in about 24 hours. You're up to about, you're up to about 30 grand. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, we, we, you always joke about baked with hate and, and all the, (laughs) the nasty comments people seem to reviews people seem to love to leave for you on Yelp. Uh, Not to overstate the obvious, but you got to feel pretty good right now. Well, I mean, you, I thought people thought I was an asshole, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. Um, it, I thought maybe we'd get like five grand. I, I, I just, I'm absolutely floored that it went the way it did. Yeah. So this will basically cover your expenses. Yes which is huge because I'm going on six weeks with no income. So I had, you know, I had a little nest egg that was, you know, August is notoriously slow, even without a pandemic. And so I had this little nest egg to kind of hold us through. And obviously with all of this, it was gone. Um, And so this money is, you know, my nest egg is back. I can pay my rent. I can pay my bills. Um, and, w- you know, I'll be able to buy some butter when we can reopen. I can yeah, pay vanilla, for all those. V- vanilla extract, super expensive. You can, you can afford some of that. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can pay for all the new permits. <laughs> right. So, yeah. so long story short, Fluff Bake Bar saved reopening, hopefully by... Maybe not by the end of August, but maybe by the middle of September. Yes, I'm. I'm. My fingers are crossed that it's sooner than that. I mean, the good news is the health department. Uh, usually, it's a five to seven day wait on inspection, and they promised me a same day inspection. So that helps a lot. And then, I mean, obviously, you owe uh, you owe Ben Sasani some sort of really nice cake when all this is over. <laughs> Uh, yeah, probably he probably doesn't want any cookies because you know his wife's been baking some. Yeah, um, yeah, we're kind of uh, we're kind of dreaming up. I mean, I don't know how to say thank you to everyone who donated because thank you just doesn't seem like enough, right? And so um, Ben and um, Robert Lerma from Austin and I were we're kind of trying to think of some sort of bake sale parking lot party. I don't know. We're just, we're going to find something. And, and as a way to say thank you for every person that, that donated in, and especially in this time, I just, Oh, I, I can't, I'm, you know what? I'm speechless. Me. That never happens. I know. Right. All right. Well, I'm glad that you, I'm glad that this situation is, is being resolved. I'm glad that the community has supported you so enthusiastically and I'm selfish. So I'm glad that I will get, you know, Veruca salt cakes and couch potato cookies. And frankly, you, you make pretty good ice cream, by the way. Oh, thanks. Uh, so I love I'm, making ice cream. I'm ready for all of that back in my life as soon as possible. Well, I'll do you, I'll do you a solid. We'll make some couch potato ice cream. <laughs> oh yeah. That was I got some of that right before you closed. That was very, I recommend that to everyone. Yeah, that was a good one. Okay, sorry for the interruption. More of what's Eric eating is coming up here in a second. But first, this is super important. Babe Wine has officially made its way to Texas. Yep, that's right. 
It's the cute, delicious, take-anywhere bubbly wine in a can that pairs well with literally everything, even your grandma's iconic cornbread. Thanks, Grandma. Find our Grigio, Rosé, and Red Wines at HEB, Specs, Kroger, Walmart, and Target. You're welcome. Now back to the show. Hmm, Rosé and cornbread. Who would have thought? Let us move on to topic number two. You know, when Michael Fulmer was on last week, we, we had a conversation that he said was kind of inside baseball. But I think that's what people listen to the show for. So here we go. Topic number two. The James Beard Awards announced a number of changes both for this year and next year, specifically that they will not reveal the winners for 2020. Um, they're not going to have an award ceremony in 2021. They're not going to they're going to have a ceremony, but they're not going to give awards. And that between now and when they release the nominees for the 2022 awards, they're going to undergo a review of their process that will try to find a more diverse group of nominees and remove systemic bias from their process. Becky, they had faced some criticism. I mean, David Kinch, who's the chef owner of Manresa, it's a three Michelin star restaurant in California, asked that his name be withdrawn from Outstanding Chef, which is one of the, the most prestigious awards because he just felt like it wasn't the right time for uh, for an award, right? The, the restaurant industry right. is struggling. This is not the time for awards. On the other hand, I had Anita Jaisinghani on a couple of weeks ago who said that she really wanted to win the award uh, because – you know, winning the award brings recognition, it conveys status, it's good for business. And of course, you know, Pete Wells, the critic for the New York Times on Twitter was saying, like, it seems kind of silly that they they know who won, right? They had the voting. So now they're just not going to tell us. All of that is to say, you know, as the, as the food editor for a website that just had some culinary awards that, that people seemed pretty excited about winning... Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm sort of with Pete Wells on this. I don't, I don't quite understand what the benefit is of not giving awards out, but I, but, but you as someone who has worked at restaurants with James Beard award winners and and who understands like what that award can do for a person's career, uh, but who is also living this life as a, as a business owner in the middle of a pandemic, where do you, how do you kind of see this? I mean, honestly, the 2020 awards is a reflection of the past year, right? So prior to the pandemic and towards the end of the pandemic, I feel like they, they already know who it is and they should, I mean, they don't need to go have a big award ceremony and they could do something virtually. And there's all of those things. I feel like, you know, people, some people say it's not the time some people say, go ahead and do it. And and I really believe they should probably just go ahead and do it for 2020 because it's already in place. Right. 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 They, it's all, it's all done. Right. right. They just, they're just not going to tell us. Now I do kind of understand the idea of not having an award ceremony in 2021. That I how could you agree with? Yeah. Right. Because how could you possibly evaluate the restaurants right now? Right. No, that is a totally agreeable statement, and 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 I f- firmly believe that's. It might even go into twenty twenty two. You don't even know at this point, but maybe going ahead with the twenty twenty, and I mean, I can see David 
David's point of view, like this is not a time to celebrate, but on the same token, it kind of, we need, we need some positivity, right? We need a little bit of, of goodness in our lives and maybe giving that rising star award or that the, for the first time, best chef Texas, you know, is going to bring a little light to someone that, that might be in a, in a really, really bad spot right now. Um, I, I, I kind of think they should just go ahead and give them out for 2020. I, I don't know. That's just me. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I know how important these are to people. Um, I recognize what they do for a chef or a restaurant's career. And I mean, it's, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely good for someone's career. It's definitely good for a little limelight on the restaurant. Um, is it the end all be all of whether or not you'll be successful in years to come and survive any of this? No, but at the same time, it's gonna, it's gonna make somebody stand a little taller and be like, okay, I've got a little more umph in me to try and continue to keep saving what I've built. Right. I mean, I, I sort of think about it, you know, I, I like gangster movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I think of winning a James Beard award as kind of like being made, right. You're a made, a made man, a made woman in the food world, right. You won a beard award. Yeah. And nobody, you know, or like winning, you know, it's compared to the Oscars, right. You're, you're Oscar winning actor for the rest of your career. No matter, no matter how many bad movies you make, Nicolas Cage, you're still an Oscar winner. <laughs> yes. So exactly. I, I, you know, I, I think I, I would have liked to have known who won them. I would really like to know who the first ever Best Chef Texas right? was. That's really huge. It it would have been really exciting. Uh, but now we won't have a Best Chef Texas until 2022. That's all right. We waited this long. We can wait a little longer. Fair enough. All right. And then uh, topic number three, I just want to do very briefly uh, to note that Roostar Vietnamese Grill is going to open their third location in the East End in the same shopping center that Acadian Coast, the new seafood restaurant from John Avia and Philippe Gaston is opening. Uh, Becky, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you have not tried Roostar Vietnamese Grill. No. I haven't. All right. well, You're right. Well, let me let me just say their Galleria location is very close to our office. Uh, not that I've not that I've been there um, since March, but it, it was in the lunch rotation. Uh, not just for me, but for a lot of my colleagues. Uh, it is a really outstanding restaurant. Their banh mi are very tasty. They use uh, they were using slow dough bread. They recently switched to uh, Craftsman bread. You know, they make all their own sauces. They use high quality meat. They have craft beer. It's a sophisticated take on a banh mi shop. And I think it's going to be a really nice addition to East End Second Ward. You know, that's a neighborhood that's changing uh, really fast. A lot of new construction, some new restaurants. And I just, you know, yes, you can say, oh, well, we have, you have Cafe TH maybe, or you have Quinn in that kind of general area. But Roostar is a little different. And I think it will be, uh, I think it'll be a really nice addition to the area. Yeah. It sounds like it's, yeah. I mean, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. Yeah. (laughs) And then topic number four, Matt Pack and Sean Bermudez of the Burger Joint are getting into the taco business. They are opening the taco stand on North Shepherd Drive right next to the Heights location of the Burger Joint. 
Uh, all right, Becky, I'm gonna I'm gonna try this again. Burger Joint is is close to Fluff Bake Bar. Are you a, a Burger Joint uh, fan? Yes, most definitely. It's you know what I really like their Caesar salad. Oh my god! It, I mean, I love I love burgers, but sometimes I eat too many. But the chicken on the Caesar, I mean, it's a real Caesar too, and the the chicken is always so delicious, and um, the milkshakes. Oh my god, and the fries. So yeah. Uh, we've been known to uh, imbibe in the burger joint several times. All right. So I, I'm feeling I, I agree with you. I, I like the burgers. I like their I like their fries. I like their milkshakes. I am excited to see what Chef Matt does with tacos. Um, me too. I mean, if if they can do what if they can do what they've done to burgers, to tacos, then it's going to be a hit. Right. Now, I thought it was interesting because they're going to do sort of traditional Mexican street-style tacos, you know, with the house-made corn and flour tortillas served with onions and cilantro, five different house-made salsas, breakfast tacos all day. Um, I thought that was interesting for a couple of reasons. Of course, you have Velvet Taco is opening right near there on Shepherd. Uh, you've got Torchies down the street on 19th Street doing what I, what I have seen called other places gringo tacos. Oh, for sure. And then you have Cantina Barba doing a similar concept with ta- like classic tacos and cocktails on North Main Street. This kind of reminds me of that. Yeah. I, um, Cantina Barba needs more love. Like, well, you, it's, it's, it's a double-edged torch. You don't want more people to find out about it because you want to be able to go and get your food there because man that stuff's so good um yeah, that, but that six dollar cheeseburger is a winner those smoked pork tacos are great and the yeah. cheap cock the, i'm all about the cheap cocktails i mean i i like i really enjoy cantina barba and i'm really curious to see how the taco stand differentiates itself from that um i think too they're far they're far enough away from each other the, you know absolutely. what i mean absolutely and and yeah. also this is houston we love tacos you can never have too many good tacos Exactly. Even gringo tacos. Less of the gringo tacos, more of the street style tacos <laughs> for me. I know. Well, I, well, I'm just saying in general, like you, we'll, we'll even take the gringo tacos. Yes, we will. All right. Becky, that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurant of the week. Stick around. Our restaurants of the week are brought to you by Cutwater Spirits. Cutwater Spirits takes their award-winning real spirits, uses them to make great cocktails, which they then put into cans, so you can easily take them where no cocktail has gone before, even if that's just your own backyard in summer 2020. Cutwater offers a convenient way to enjoy your favorite bar-quality cocktail outside of the bar setting. They have a wide variety of over 17 delicious canned cocktails and 20 bottled spirits, so there is something for everyone. The vodka mule, tequila margarita, grapefruit vodka soda, and tequila soda are just a few of their fan favorites. You can find Cutwater locally at Specs, Total Wine, Goody Goody, and more. Visit cutwaterspirits.com for more information. So Becky, for our restaurant of the week, I want to talk to you about Killen's. This is Ronnie Killen's new comfort food restaurant in the former Hickory Hollow space at Heights Boulevard and Washington Avenue. This has been 
uh, a bit of a project. Ronnie, Ronnie took over that building, thought it would be kind of a simple renovation, <laughs> and then uh, discovered as he got into it that he, he had his own issues with the city. They wound up gutting the building. Basically, the only thing that's left of the original Hickory Hollow is the brick walls, right? Yeah. They took the roof yeah. off. They, they gutted it. It has new bathrooms, a new bar, a new kitchen. Everything is new. Let me just uh, let me just throw it to you. What did you what did you think of our dinner? And and let me just say for for the people listening, um, we went the night before it opened to the public, and we were Ronnie's guests. So we left a generous tip, but we didn't pay for the meal. Yes, very much. Yes. Um, uh, man. It's, it doesn't even look like a Hickory Hollow anymore. <laughs> um, the <laughs> the build-out's really nice, really simple, um, really welcoming, uh, a little loud, but he's working on that. So it it was it was inviting. Um, he's got he's really excited. He's got this uh, wine cabinet that was in the original Killen Steakhouse. So. I'd like to joke that it's older than me, but it's not <laughs> in my, in my mind, it's older than me, <laughs> but um, I mean, with the obvious second night things like service needs a little work. Um, the food was good. Um, it was tasty. Um, I, I really, I was so sad because the very next night chicken fried chicken was on the menu and I really wanted to try that. So I had fried chicken instead. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I mean, I've, I told you and I, I was sort of reminiscing. I mean, I've been eating some version of Ronnie's fried chicken since the Chowhound fried chicken throwdown in 2009. Right? Oh God. I mean, that's yeah. When I, that's when I discovered Ronnie Killen for the first time. And I remember being sort of incredulous about, what do you mean? There's a badass steakhouse in Pearland, like, <laughs> right? Who, who, Ronnie? Who? Yeah, we don't, right? we don't. We don't ask those questions anymore. Ronnie. Ronnie's. Uh, Ronnie does to to go back to the gangster movie thing. Uh, Ronnie doesn't shine shoes anymore, right? No. I don't have to explain who Ronnie Kellen is. He 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 said he was worried about the new spot, and I go, dude, you get the Midas touch. You'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we had we we both had the fried chicken. Uh, I thought the fried green tomatoes, that appetizer were really, was really excellent with the, with the remoulade, you know, super crispy and juicy. Oh yeah. Uh, those were good. I had fried catfish and then um, that I liked, you know, kind of a cornmeal crust on that. Uh, his fried shrimp are on the menu. You know, those have been around since the steakhouse days. Those are always really good. And then I got to ask you about the German chocolate cake, which is a recipe he developed based on a recipe uh, that his aunt gave him and something he's really proud of. So you're but the first you, expert. You forgot about those mashed potatoes. Oh yeah. All right. Dude, yes. Those things were good. I didn't I can fully en- understand the explanation. It, it's that they cook onions underneath the pork chops while they saute the pork chops. And then, and then blend, they blend those onions into the gravy. I think, I think so. I think that's what he said, but you know, it's one of those things I can imagine not feeling well and just wanting something warm and comforting and going by and getting a pint of mashed potatoes and gravy. <laughs> That's yeah, how good they were. They're not the like super airy, thin Robichon style, but they are like super umami, creamy, comforting. I mean, 
it seems stupid to praise mashed potatoes because I mean, mashed, like, no, it's whatever. not. It's mashed potatoes. <laughs> but these were exceptional mashed potatoes. They were. They're definitely worth getting. Yeah. Um. Okay. So now, All right, German to- chocolate cake. Man, that thing is legit. That thing is good. Like, I, I was kind of sad that I let you take it home. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up the next morning going, man, I'd like to bite a German chocolate cake. I mean, the I, I crushed it for breakfast. All right. I'm, pr- tell, I'm proud of you. Tell the people specifically what made it so legit. I mean, the cake is the cake itself was I hate this word, but moist and light. And the filling, sometimes German chocolate filling is just so coyingly sweet that it just hurts your teeth. But I think the balance, I bet the cake itself like i didn't just try the cake by itself um but i bet it's not overly sweet to balance that out it had a nice balance and not too much chocolate buttercream that also overpowers it i don't know it's just it was it's legit it's good yeah um and then the other I, the other thing i just wanted to to talk about briefly was i i was impressed by the decor i mean yeah. it has that kind of nostalgic you know a lot of these recipes are inspired by the food Ronnie ate at his his grandmother's house, and it's got it's got the schliplap. It's got kind of a a retro you know lighting. It's a, uh, I mean, I still think TMX, his Tex-Mex place, is the the prettiest killing restaurant. Uh-huh. Uh, this is a close second for me. Yeah, and the 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 pictures of his family on the wall, and just yeah, it's just and yeah, then the open cut, kitchen, fresh cut flowers, fresh cut flowers. Oh, on the I table. know. Huge sunflowers. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty. Uh, yeah. Everything was, yeah, it's really well put together. He took, he said he designed it all. I, I believe it. And uh, reservations via open table. Um, it's pretty booked out at this point, but if you, you know, give, give things a couple of weeks, uh, they'll have lunch service. They'll start doing to go once the kitchen kind of has its sea legs and then, and then it'll be a little easier to get in there. Oh, and let me just ask you one other thing before we wrap this up. Yeah. Uh, you had you had not been eating in restaurants. No. How did no. you feel being in a restaurant for the first time in however many weeks? Um, I, I'm not going to lie. I was a little nervous because, you know, you see, I've seen that diagram of where you sit in a restaurant and how likely you are to get sprayed through the air vents kind of thing. <laughs> um. It, I was okay. Towards the end, I got a little, little sketched, but, um, you know, I, I put my mask on when I wasn't eating and the servers had their masks on and, um, I don't know if I'll do it again anytime soon, maybe on a patio, maybe I'll, my next step is a patio. Yeah. Yeah. Ease, ease back in on a patio. That's the safe bet. Yeah. I mean, right. I'm, I'm glad I, I wouldn't do it for anybody, but you and Ronnie. So there you go. <laughs> Well, thank you. I'm glad you were able to join me. Uh, thank you for being on the show today. And thank you. Uh, we, we look forward to, uh, to seeing you again at, at, Fluff, at reopened Fluff Bake Bar very soon. Oh, you know, I'll be shouting it from the rooftops. All right. And I will be right back with the team from Common Bond. I am joined this week by two of the driving forces behind Common Bond. Gentlemen, let me introduce you separately so people can hear your voices. 
George Joseph, owner. Welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you, Eric. Glad to be here. Executive savory or savory executive chef Jason Gould. To you, I get to say welcome back to the show. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for doing this. Uh, George, let me start with you. Obviously, you kind of came to Common Bond in in a business relationship, kind of a, a partner with Johnny Carava. What what initially kind of drew you into the restaurant business? Because your your background is in uh, the medical field. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty interesting. <clears throat> I met Roy, and I'll butcher his name. Our original sure, chef. I'll, I'll, I'll save you, Schwarzapel. <laughs> Schwarzapel, my friend Roy Schwarzapel. And uh, through a mutual friend, and he said that uh, he just wanted me to mentor Roy. And it went from mentoring Roy into finding a product in a restaurant. I had never even been in Common Bond before that, to getting into a position where I thought it was a worthy of in- investment to uh, improve uh, not so much the quality of the food, but the business side of things. And that's kind of how it led to me. And then I went to Johnny Caraba actually for advice. And that became a partnership until he uh, wanted to simplify his life about a year and eight months ago and uh, sold me his, his interest in Common Bond. Right. So, right. You, when you acquired Common Bond, I mean, Roy was this, this rock star pastry chef who worked for some of the best chefs in the world, Farron Adria and Thomas Keller and, uh, Pierre Hermé, he assembled this team of, of people that worked with him uh, at restaurants around the country. And then, you know, kind of one by one, they all, they all jumped out to do other projects. Yeah. So, so what was it like for you to kind of build a new team, but still like maintain the standards and the, the reputation that Common Bond had, had achieved? Well, it was, it was easy because the recipes and the processes were already started. Roy did an amazing job uh, getting the restaurant off the ground. And even though it was like a year and a half old, he really did establish some great processes. And, and so we just ran with it and started putting our team together. And Johnny, basically his team ran it for a few years. And then I just started running it the last 18 months when we really started to grow the business. And, um, you know, and we got great people like Jason and Chris Fannin, our president. And um, it's, you know, the day we moved, Roy did a great job. But one area, one area he really missed the boat was the, the size of the kitchen. So the kitchen was too small to bake bread and do all the things that he wanted to do. And so the day we moved into a commissary was a day we had to start expanding. So it took a little while. And obviously we started expanding right during the pandemic. <laughs> so that's where we're at in the middle of this whole process. Right. I, I think anyone who remembers the early days of Common Bond will remember it ran out of croissants at, <laughs> at you know, 10 a.m. Or, or noon or 2 p.m. or whatever. You know, it was this kind of frustrating. It's like, how can a bakery run out of a, a croissant or or why can't I get a birthday cake from Common Bond? Right, exactly. it's all these little, all these little things. So the New York fixed all that. Yeah, and the New York chefs thought that was funny. They were like, "Well, you got to come earlier." Well, we're from Texas, and it's not that way. It's like Texas, you make enough to to have enough. In New York, yes, they had the soup, like kind of like the soup Nazi. They were like the croissant Nazis. If they're out, it means you need to come earlier. <laughs> yeah, we we as Texans sort of accept that for barbecue because it it takes. 
you know, 12 hours to smoke a brisket. Yeah. We, we don't have as much sympathy for that when it comes to chocolate chip cookies. Exactly. <laughs> Jason, let me, let me bring you in. Obviously you were the last time you were on the show, you were, you were with Neenfiz. What about coming on board with common bond seemed like the right next move for you in your career? Well, you know, my, my career kind of has evolved naturally, if you will. You know, I had Aries and from Aries we expanded to Gravitas and, then after Gravitas, when I joined Cyclones, I, re- I really didn't know what direction I was going in. I was still kind of getting over the breakup, if you will. And what I took from Cyclones was this, they expanded rather quickly as well. So I was thrown into running multiple outlets, overseeing multiple kitchens, and developing consistency throughout. And I also learned how to open restaurants from the ground up, whether it be, you know, looking at business plans, developing and designing spaces, and then actually hands-on construction and project management. So um, George and I both have a mutual friend in Avi Katz, and Avi kind of approached me after Nymphas and said, hey, here's this company, which I knew of. I'd, I actually used to live around the corner from the, uh, from the original when it first opened. So I was well, you know, well-versed on what it was. Um, but admittedly, only really knew about its pastries and things like that. So when Avi approached me and said, hey, there's this great company, they've got a great owner and they're doing, they, they just go and leaps and bounds. I think it'd be a great fit. And so I looked into it and with the expansion we're doing and, and my expertise. And to be honest, it's, it's kind of a lot more in my wheelhouse than, than Tex-Mex is. You know, French European style cuisine is a bit more of my, <laughs> my background than what the Tex-Mex is. So it was a, very much a natural fit. Yeah, George, I mean, how did you kind of come to decide that, that Jason was the right guy to to oversee all the the growth that you're undergoing? I mean, because we should say you since you took over uh sole ownership of Common Bond, you've opened uh three new locations with a with a fourth coming, and we're gonna we're gonna get into all of that here in a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> you know, Jason was easy. I, I trust my uh my top recruiter, Avi Katz. Avi's referred our top three employees. And he always comes to me with these guys and says, you know, these, this guy's the, you know, he's the best. And so he has referred me three of the top people that I could, I love working with Chris Fannin, Becky Clamp, our CFO and Jason. And so it was an easy interview. It was like when Avi gives you that thumbs up, it's easy to uh, walk into the interview and knowing the guy's competent. The other part is culture and Culture is very important to me and respecting people and, and working as a team. And, and Jason, I don't know if it's his Australian background or whatever, but he is a total team player. He's willing to do whatever it takes to get the product right. And that's all I love. I mean, that's, I love working with people that have that passion to serve our customers and keep them happy. And he was like, he's like the day he started, it felt like he's been working with us for years. And so we were blessed to have him and, I have to keep thinking of you. And every time a new coffee purveyor comes to me to try to sell us coffee and, and push cats out, it's like, buddy, you, you, you don't know what you're going up against because <laughs> cats is our top recruiter. <laughs> right. It's like, not only, not only would your coffee have to taste better than cats, that that's hard enough, but, yeah. but you have to like be better connected and more knowledgeable about my business than Avi, which is essentially impossible. Exactly. Houston, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. 
so Jason, what are what are maybe some of the the changes or the refinements you've made on the savory side since coming on board? Um, fortunately, I didn't have to do too much. The 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 menus and the recipes that were in place were were quite good and of a very you know high standard. The previous chef did a great job there. When I came on, we kind of, as I mentioned, hit the ground running. The, the Heights location had already been, was under construction, was getting close to being finished. So the focus at that point shifted to training the staff and making sure that they knew the menu and knew the quality and could run in the in the kitchen that was provided for them, which is always challenging based on, you know, as George mentioned, you start at Montrose, you build a me- menu based on a kitchen that's there, and then you have to copy that menu to other locations. You've got to make sure the kitchen layout is as effective and efficient as what it can be. So that was kind of where the sh- focus shifted. And then we opened up, shortly after that, we opened up the on-the-go, which was a completely new concept in, re- in regards to it's a grab-and-go drive through So we couldn't just take what we were doing at our bistros and implement it at a grab and go drive through. Nobody's going to sit in a drive through and wait 10 minutes for a sandwich to be built. So it's like, you know, we had to work on the menu and things like that. And then shortly after that, we opened spring. So a lot of mine, my interaction has been more oversight training. Um, we have implemented a few things, seasonal dishes, things like that. Um, changed the salmon, looked at some of the, you know, as you grow and you have multiple outlets, some of those um, items you've got to streamline a little bit more and work out. There's a little bit more involvement as to how you get from point A to point B to point C to the guest plate and things like that. So that was what we're kind of working on. And I also had to work um, with the commissary. You know, as we grow, um, recipes have to be tweaked for volume and things like that. So there was a lot of oversight there. Yeah, George, I mean, you you have been growing really quickly, um, you know, three new locations in the last two years. I mean, why, why so fast, I guess, first of all, and then kind of how do you, how do you feel like it's going? You know, we had to work fast because it took a while. Like Heights construction took longer than it should have taken by maybe six months. So it kind of got us backed up a little bit. Kind of like I said earlier, once we moved to a commissary model to be able to handle that overhead and then to bring in the high powered leadership team that I did, we had to have more locations. And the beauty of a commissary is that the quality stays the same. And that's what we wanted. We wanted our best people to be in the commissary to make the Nutella croissant or to make these things because people have high expectations when they come in, what they're going to taste. And so uh, it forced us to be financially viable. You, It's like you have to expand to be profitable, if that makes sense. Right. Oh, right. Because the, there's an expense associated with operating the commissary yep. and it has a certain capacity. Yep. So you have to have enough retail outlets to, to fill the capacity, I guess. Yeah, exactly right. And so the so, commissary has been cranking out the, you know, the product and, and Jason and Rakesh have done a great job at keeping that quality high and making sure, you know, all our reviews or fives or whatever we can do to make sure it's good. And then, every experience is going to be a little different because now we're, we're getting better at tweaking the designs, tweaking the size of the kitchens to make sure everything works well. What's the best equipment. And, uh, and so it's been interesting as we roll these things out. Yeah. I mean, you just opened spring, which is even a further evolution compared to the Heights because you have a a full liquor license now. Yes. Um, How are people responding to that? I mean, are, are they, 
are they sticking around for dinner more? Are they, they sort of intrigued by the cocktails? Yes, absolutely. The dinner uh, percentages is higher than our breakfast percentages. If that makes it, which is all a completely rest- opposite of the other restaurants. Yeah, the other restaurants right. is starting to catch up where breakfast and, and dinner are equal, and lunch has always been the biggest. So it's kind of like a new paradigm. And Jason's humble, but his bar bites are amazing, and uh, the, it's, it's it's delicious. You could talk more about it, Jason, but it's the the bar bites is bringing people in and. We have been consistently busy since day one. Now, obviously, we, we have less seating than we would normally have, but I've been pleased the month and one week, I guess, we've been open. It's, it's been within a few thousand dollars each week of consistent sales. And in a new store, as you know, it's the best thing you can have is just that consistency versus those big days, long, small days. It's just, it's been nice. All right, Jason, what is a common bond bar bite? So we, we, what we wanted to do, and it's kind of ironic because of the situation we're in, but we created a menu called Sociables. So instead of just having a happy hour menu or things like that, we wanted plates that people could share and enjoy together. So um, we did a couple. We have a, a green onion and cheddar biscuits that are baked fresh with a jalapeno uh, jam. We have uh, Nashville shrimp, so uh, spicy shrimp with a aioli and uh, drizzled with a little bit of honey. Um, so just pl- food that's approachable and shareable and something that, that makes people you know, want to order it and it goes really well with the drinks. So something a little bit of hot, spicy, a little bit salty, you know, we want to, we want to keep them drinking at the bar. So, yeah. And then are there any other kind of new dishes at, at either the Heights or at spring that have been well, uh, particularly like particularly successful in terms of resonating? Strangely enough, the, uh, the dish that I added just because I felt the menu needed it was an adult grilled cheese. Racolette, Gruyere, Swiss cheese between sourdough, uh, rye bread, and it's taken off. Um, and it's it's one of those sort of, you know, um, comforting sandwiches that everybody wants, particularly during winter. It's still there for summer, but we're, we're going through um, some changes now. Where before we open the next location, we'll do a complete menu revamp and we'll be adding some dishes under that as well. Well, George, that that's a that brings me to a good next question, which is how's it how's it going downtown? What's what's kind of your status, and, and when do you expect to open? Ah, uh, that's a great question, Eric. It's a beautiful, beautiful build out. Forney Construction did an amazing job. Uh, it's ready to open, but we're not ready to open because we unfortunately think downtown is kind of a ghost town, like everybody's been talking about and reading about, and so we don't want to open to you know very few people. So we're you know, watching it day by day and week by week to decide when's the best time to open. We're ready. Everything's set. <laughs> I toured it on Friday. We could, we can open, you know, as soon as we do a few things, we could be open in a pretty quick, quick time. And we have leadership in place to, to start, but I just don't want to open and, and it just be this beautiful place and not enough people taking advantage of it. So we're playing it day by day. So, uh, so essentially you're going to like watch office occupancy and, yeah. You know, things like that. And then, you know, once there's like a, maybe a daytime, more of a daytime population, you'll be. Yeah. Cause it's, it's going to be different than our other locations. Our other locations it bills up through the weekend and the weekend brunch is probably the busiest, our busiest times where here it's going to be Monday through Friday, busy times. And the weekend will be less busy unless obviously there's an event downtown or the theater districts operating. But yeah, with all that down, it's hard to, hard to guesstimate. 
Yeah, it gets to make the things and, you know, understories below us and they have, I think, one location operating flipping patties is the, you know, guy working by basically by himself to handle what he's doing. But he, he it's just it's slow because Bank of America, all their people are everybody's, you know, at home working from Zoom. And um, and so it's, it's there's not we think there's like 10 percent occupancy probably downtown. And I think it just needs to be a little higher before we open. Right now, I mean, I was. I was commiserating with another downtown restaurateur about this. I mean, you lose your, your office workers. So there goes your, your weekday lunch and happy hour. There's no yeah. sporting events. So that, yeah. that hurts your uh, weekends and your nights. And then there's no business travel. Yeah. So none of your conventions, your the hotels are empty. I mean, yeah, it's just, I mean, of all of the neighborhoods in Houston, I think downtown is probably, yeah, probably the toughest in terms of restaurant operations right now. Yeah, that's it has such a beautiful space because we really created a, a nice open bakery. And then you have a like a transition room where we could have private events or use it for breakfast or lunch or dinner. And then we have a brasserie, which will have a more elevated menu along with our current savory items that Jason's creating. So I'm ex- super excited about it, but just I don't want to open too soon. That makes sense. Yeah, right. So, oh, so what is the, so what is the more elevated brasserie menu kind of, is this, wait, I, I you're going to be super annoyed with me when I ask you this question. I'm going to do it anyway. Is this Gravitas 2.0? No, <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. No. Um, you know, it's a, a bistro and a brasserie are, are very similar. So what we offer already at Common Bond is somewhat brasserie-like. We have, you know, a soup, a fish, all the sorts of things that a, that a brasserie would have. Um, we do a steak frite, we do a beef bourguignon, you know, all classic um, brasserie, French brasserie dishes. So for the brasserie part of the, the business, we wanted to do something that's a little more refined but still fits in because what the thought is is that if people come to the bistro, if they want to order one of the brasserie items, menu items they can't we're not going to tell anybody they can't and vice versa if somebody wants to sit in the brasserie and have one of our flatbreads or have the beef bourguignon or steak free they can so really we're just adding about five or six different items to the menu that are maybe a little bit more higher end in quality so we're looking at scallops you know a a fresh market catch um, a tenderloin a lamb sirloin maybe a pork chop things like that that we can add to the menu um, that people will actually sit down and dine in the brasserie, be waited on rather than customers, uh, counter service, things like that. So we're tweaking it a little bit. All right. Well, and, and let me ask you a little bit. Uh, let me shift to a slightly happier topic, which is the common bond uh, on the go. I mean, I I think every time I've driven past that drive through there's a line in it. Yeah, it's been so, pretty well received by the neighborhood and people driving by, yeah. So, so what are some of the, I mean, what are some of the tweaks you made to kind of expedite things? Cause like, like you said, no one, no one wants to sit in a drive through for 10 minutes for a steak frites. No. So we limited the, the menu, but we're still hitting all the meal points. So for breakfast, we're doing a, um, we have all the pastry items that we have at all the, all the bistros, but we took the croissant. We now do a bacon and egg and cheese croissant. That's quickly warmed and you can, you know, it can be ready before the coffee can be made type thing. Um, we're doing um, sandwiches that are made at the commissary. So we've kept it to, I don't want to say simple, but product that will hold up. So, you know, a really nice French ham, Gruyere cheese on ciabatta, um, a tarragon chicken salad in croissant, 
we do a version of the same charcuterie sandwich that we have at the bistro, which is um, prosciutto, salami, mortadella, arugula. It's got a, a pepper du cream cheese spread on it. So it holds up really well. Um, we make it to the commissary, send it there fresh each day. And so it's prepackaged, ready to go. We have about five salads. Uh, we do a Caesar, a Cobb salad, a tomato burrata salad, um, and an ancient grain salad, which are all pre-made in these really nice clear containers without the dressing so that it's a bowl when you get it. You get your silverware, kind of pour the dressing over and it's ready to eat. So it's very convenient. And then, George, I mean, I you, you've already announced a second on-the-go location coming to Garden Oaks. I mean, do you do you feel like these concepts or th- this concept is maybe the future of Common Bond? I, I do. I think that it's kind of like the spoke in a hub, like the hubs or the bistros or the brasseries, and then the on-the-goes are for the people that are in a hurry or just want to pick something up or, you know, not as um, – not a high as high of expectation of a full meal or a, a sit down formal meal. So I think it is the future. And obviously with the pandemic, people want to stay in their cars. They want to stay safe. But on the other hand is how many meetings have we sat in where you have somebody with a Starbucks cup and they, you ask them if they like the coffee and they're like, no, not really, but it was easy because I, I went through the drive through. So we want to be the step above, a couple steps above Starbucks because I know they can't match us with our pastries and our desserts and, and our bread. So I think it's, it's, a, it's a great concept. And then, I mean, do you see this kind of going to other cities? I, I know that uh, every time I go up to Dallas, I have to bring uh, the olive loaf to uh, <laughs> the Culture Map food editor up there, Teresa Gubbins. You know, we we do. We just think Houston's such a big area to cover it's it's going to be a while and i think that if we go to the austin san antonio market or the dallas market we'll have to set up a commissary first as we establish the location so i think our our current uh, commissary has a lot of capacity to add you know hopefully 10 more on the goes around houston and maybe another bistro or two on the west side of town hopefully it's uh, and maybe clear lake sugarland i mean that's the thing about Houston is that it's got so many pockets of great uh, residential areas that people love common bond and they drive in, you know, from KD or whatever. But, you know, obviously they'd love to have it more convenient for them. Uh, I, I'm sure they would. Um, <laughs> and let me just ask you about kind of one other thing. I, I had the guys from White Elm Cafe on last week. And it sort of occurred to me that, that what they're doing, um, a full bakery with kind of a French savory menu, sounds very familiar to me. Yeah. And so are you, I mean, do you sort of keep an eye on the market to see these people who are kind of maybe inspired by the success of Common Bond? I mean, do you, you have any sort of opinion about places like that? No, I mean, I, I wish them well. I think success breeds success, and that's part of our culture. And so if they're copying us, that's the, I think it's the greatest compliment if people copy you. And uh, it just worked out. We were about to open a drive-through location. I didn't realize where they were opening. We were going to be on Derry Ashford and Memorial. And the uh, the lease fell through because there was a nothing bunt cake that had a in their claws 25% bakery items. No one else could be in that center. And, uh, and so it kind of worked out in, in everybody's favor because 
we were going to be right down the street from them in our in our on the go model. But uh, I think that's a great area, and I think it could justify a on the go and a White Elm uh, bakery. Jason, let me let me bring this back to you. I mean, do you have ideas in mind for how you'd like to evolve the concept or or see it grow? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're we're looking at it constantly, like offerings. You know, for me, I, I'm I'm very analytical, so I look at the space and look at what we can execute in each space. So when George picks a location and comes to me, then I kind of play around with the kitchen layout and what I feel we can execute because, you know. As I, I preach to the to the crew, it's you know it's all about consistency. You know, working for a company that has multiple outlets, you want it to be the same no matter what. So, if we're doing it at on the go on uh, in the Heights, we want to be able to do the same at on the go up in Garden Oaks and on the go in Pearland, wherever the case may be. So, it's all about making sure that it that it works for everywhere. So, but yeah, I'm always looking at what we can do. You know, hot sandwiches rather than just cold sandwiches. Um, what items we can bring into the kitchen space itself. Does it need a hood? Does it not need a hood? All those sorts of things so that we can kind of evolve the menu. And then George, I, I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, give you the opportunity to say something nice about uh, Rakesh Nayank, your executive pastry chef and uh, <laughs> Sarah Jones, your cake baker. Uh-huh. Well, I, I can't say too much nice about Rakesh. He resigned this morning. Oh, He's going to central market. So I, I I lost all my affinity to him. No, that's not true. I, 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 I <laughs> Breaking told, news on the on Yeah, the I'll break some news. I wish them well. It just happened this morning. And, and obviously, if he's going to Central Market, it's a, it's a great place for him to be. And, and uh, I love the guy. He's been with us four or five years and he's done an amazing job. And it's going to be hard so, shoes to fill. Hard shoes to fill. So we can, we can announce that now if, uh, if someone's a – And does this go live? <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> Thursday. Thursday. So, All right, we're gonna we get till Thursday to let everybody know. I just found out, so we're gonna yes. Thursday. Sorry, Jason. Yeah, oh, so, <laughs> so any anyone that's an executive pastry chef that would love to work for us and and lead a big team and and some great people, we're we're looking for them. And uh, and then as far as Sarah, she's the most amazing, talented person cake person i've ever met in my life and ever even experienced or even even saw in around the world and so her work uh it's like i want to share it more with people like we're always strategizing we're updating our website and i said look i want you to put all of her top cakes pictures on there that they can order if it's like the harry potter sorting cake you know, got the most likes in common bond history. We want it up there in a price. And if people want it, they can click on it and order it. And so we're, we're working on with uh, uh, our new website, Bento to create this and, yeah, and make I, it easier. I'm looking at her Instagram, which is son. O Jones, S O N O J O N E S. She only has about 1700 followers. That's not nearly enough. Right. Because her, her creations are beautiful and yeah, they, they yeah. deserve an audience. Absolutely. Absolutely. We try to push it through the common bond site uh, to get more exposure, but it's just her work is so over the top. And what's so great about like my daughter loves art. So she did like, she's a drummer in the band, the band at her school. So she drew a a drums with the, like the blue man where the stuff's coming out of the drums. And, and Sarah just did the perfect cake, just like the drawing. (laughs) And it was not only looked beautiful, but it tasted so good. So yeah, our cake program has gone is really grown a lot, but it's like we're not even. I don't even think we're touching the surface. 
Oh, and I guess I, I should congratulate you. You're one of Houston's most admired CEOs, <laughs> according to the Houston Business Journal. Yeah, I don't know how that happened, but <laughs> I take it. I had two, <laughs> two great presidents and people that have supported me. And I guess it was just a, a year they didn't have a lot of good candidates. I don't know what happened, <laughs> but I'll take it. Um, that brings me to the end of my questions, unless you, uh, you have something that you would really like to discuss that I haven't asked you about. I, I think you asked a lot of great questions. We just we appreciate all that you do and and getting the word out. And obviously the, you know, I just want to say a word about the restaurant industry is that you know it's a hard hard time right now. And and all of the customers and you know we have thousands of customers that come each week and we've gotten so much support. We love when they give great reviews and you know our staff. I mean they're working hard with mask on and and we're doing everything we can to make it safe. But we. We see the trends where people are coming, getting more and more comfortable coming in and and, and ordering out. So um, our sales will slowly keep keep growing, and we appreciate the support. But more importantly, just anybody out there that's listening, please support your restaurants. Please tip well. Please, uh, you know, be patient if their order's not right. You know, don't go crazy, and and you know, just try to let the restaurant fix it and uh, and give us some patience. But we have been so blessed with such great audience of, of supporters that um, we thank them for, and that, you know, hopefully Houston proud will get through this and get to the other side, but it's been tough. Yeah. No, there, no one's allowed to leave a one star Yelp review right now. Exactly. Only five stars. Thank you. All right. Well, anyway, before I let you anyway. go, as Jason knows, you have to, you have to play the lightning round. I okay. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. George, what is your favorite item in the Common Bond pastry case? <laughs> oh, shit. What's my favorite kid? Um, I like the uh, pistachio croissant. Jason, how about you? Uh, decadent for the Nutella croissant. <laughs> George, what is the first band you ever saw in concert? Oh, I want to say it was Queen, but it could have been Rush. Those are those are both excellent answers. Uh, Jason, I, I know I've asked you this before, but but... Tell me the answer. <laughs> yeah, well, nobody's going to know it, but it's Jimmy Barnes in Australia. He was the lead singer of Cold Chisel, and then he went um, solo. So anybody who's familiar with those bands would know him. Yeah. Uh, George, who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Uh, I'm friends with Jeff Bagwell, so I better say him, but also Akeem Olajuwon. Jason, how about you? I'll take the easy one, but it's mainly for my daughter. She goes absolutely nuts for J.J. Watt. <laughs> Uh, George, what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-through. In and out burger. <laughs> Even though <laughs> it's not local. Sorry, local that, folks. <laughs> that's okay. It's it's here. It's in town at least. Uh, Jason, how about you? Um, gee, I can't remember. No, the last time I ate at a drive-through in uh, let's say Whataburger, the right. standard Whataburger. Mm, yep. And then George, finally, when you go to a pizzeria for the first time. What are your go-to toppings? Oh, man, I love uh, spinach, pepperoni, and pineapple. Jason, how about you? Um, you want the long story or the short story? <laughs> five short, easy the, questions, five short answers. Yeah, all right. The short answer is prosciutto e roccola. Ah. Yeah. Uh, George, give us the website for Common Bond and, and how people can uh, uh, com- CommonBondCafe.com, is that it? Or Common Bond Bistro. They both work. Yeah, right. CommonBondBistro.com. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you, Eric. Thanks, Eric. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. 
Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.